Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ask the Amigos for October 2020. Aaron, it's already October, and we have gathered together a list of questions from our Discord community. They have questions. We may have the answers. Let them fly, but I'm ready. We start things off with Simulant. Simulant asks, do you have any views on Bill Gates, controversial or otherwise? He's been a real baddie in the past, but in his charity is his charity work making up for it? Um, well, I'll I'll go first on this one, Boat. I've never been a big fan of the Gatester just because I don't. I'm listen. His charity works off the charts, but he had to make that money to give it away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they've done Windows has done a lot of crummy crap over the years. Microsoft, they've been screwing people over since the DOS days, and they kept the ball rolling, Boat, all the way up to the big money. So while his incredible uh, charity uh, is appreciated. And I will say that did buy him a lot of love for me. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't forget what the things he did to get that money. And he did some pretty shady stuff. And he left a lot of companies uh, off the side of the road, Boatster, in my opinion. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, I've never really had anything against anybody in the computer industry. You know, lots of people hate Steve Jobs. Lots of people hate Bill Gates. Um, I view these guys as shrewd businessmen that did what they had to do to get ahead. And in the in the real world of business, that's what you do. If you don't do it, somebody's going to screw you. Now, Bill Gates' charity work, I mean, it's great, you know, but if I had $85 billion, it would be super easy for me to give away $84 billion. Yeah, that's You know, because you're still left with more money than you could ever possibly use in 16 lifetimes. Right. So, I mean, I admire the guy for giving away a bunch of money and not just leaving it to his family trust or whatever. But um, he's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rank him up there with Mother Teresa. No. And a lot of that money came off the, I mean, listen, you're right. It's a dog eat dog world. But you don't have to be an, uh, an unethical jerk to make it. Some ethical jerks made it. And, uh, uh, of course, they didn't accumulate $85 billion. You're right, though. I agree with everything you said, but well said. Similan also asks, do you believe any of the COVID-19 conspiracy theories? <laughs> How timely. Um, listen, uh, I'm just going to call it the way it is, but without, I'm, I don't have a, I'm not going to make a stand here. I look at it this way. If, if COVID is super dangerous and experts say to be careful, I'd be careful. Why? Well, the experts could be lying, and so I'm wasting my time, or they could be right, and I'm not wasting my time. I'm just hedging my bets, man. Well, mm-hmm. I take a chance. That's my motto. You know that. What about you? Have you ever heard of Pascal's wager? I don't know. I have not. Okay. Well, you, you know Pascal. He's the guy from the computer language, but he yeah. was also mathematician, philosopher. He said that uh, you should believe in God, because if you're right... You gain everything, and if you're wrong, you lose nothing. Right. And I feel the same way about COVID-19, where it's like, okay, they're making me wear a mask. They're making me stay socially distant. If I do these things, I'm not losing out on anything. I'm yeah. not giving up anything in my life. And if they're right, then I'm hopefully you know, making myself more safe and the other people around me more safe. You know, so. I look at it. This, I, I, I have the exact same uh, philosophy when it comes to like, global warming, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the experts say it's a thing, and all the people that don't agree with it say that's all crap, right? 
Now, experts are, you know, you got to sort of defer to them sometimes. I don't necessarily agree with what they're saying. I think some of it's up to speculation. However, why take a chance? You know, let's let's clean up the earth. Let's stop polluting it and screwing with it. It's going to be better in the long run, whether there's global warming or not. So I'm down with it. You know, that's That's, why I I feel the same way. Chris Folds asks, are you guys Spike Milligan fans? No, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. So no. Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky asks, what's your favorite John Hughes film? Oh, man. Go ahead. What's what yours is, Boat? Oh, Pretty in Pink. Definitely. I'm still Ducky. I'm trying to think of all, all the movies John Hughes did. Did he de- did Was John Hughes the director of Uncle Buck? That was one of I his. I think so. It? I think he did Uncle Buck. I'm going to go with that one. I love that. And I love John Candy. And also, I always, I always felt like a kindred soul with Mr. Buck. And that big, <laughs> weird uncle that does a bunch of crazy stuff. So, yeah. Who are your favorite Brat Pack actors? Oh, boy. Um, do, you have a, do you have a thought on this one? You know, I kind of like them all. You know, I like Molly yeah, Ringwald. A favorite, though. Come on. Uh, I, I mean, Molly know. Ringwald is the most attractive, definitely. What about Ali Sheedy? She is not the most attractive. I don't know. I thought she was pretty good. Like, well, I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Michael Hall. You know? Mm. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's the he's the everyman. It's for it, sure. because he was a he's the geek, but he grew right. up to be a big hulking like murder machine. So it much was like myself. Him. That's right. Yeah. Correct. Uh, Paul, uh, ask, and this is this is quite pertinent, which I'm sure he did on purpose. What category did you see yourself at school? Princess, athlete, criminal, brain, or basket case? Probably brain, frankly. Let's. I, I can, I, everyone wants to be the cool ones, but let's be mm-hmm. realistic here. I was. I was, yeah. So I would go with. I would go with the geeky guy. Yeah. I would probably lean more towards that. Although my academic performance was was definitely not stellar in school. Uh, I definitely fit in that that category more than more than athlete or criminal. I will uh, say. Or, I, I I I I moved more towards uh, the. Uh, uh, I'm, I moved less geeky as it went on. Let's put it that mm-hmm. one. Like, I, remember what happens to the geek in Breakfast Club? Like where they mm-hmm. it gets duct taped. That would never happen to me. <laughs> that would yeah. that would not happen. So I wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how it is where you live, Paul. But in the states, if you're in the band, you're sort of in a separate class. Yeah, you're you're one it's of the not band a good kids. Class either. It's yeah, a but I mean, it's 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 a different class of all those other people because you you mostly hang out with band people and. To this day, most of my friends were in the band. And you know, so. I look at hatred of the band. It's very similar. Did you hear my diatribe on the Coco show this week about people that used to make fun of the trash 80? Mm-hmm. I look at it the same way. It's like, are you an idiot? You know, <laughs> the proof's in the pudding. Plus, people, everybody loves music and they love bands. How many of those musicians they think were in the band? A right. huge percentage of them, you yeah. jerks. So give yeah. it some love. I agree. I agree. Mitsuyama asks... What's the one place you absolutely 100% have no desire whatsoever to visit? Newark. <laughs> okay. Just uh, Newark in general or all of New Jersey you would rather not no, visit? No, some of New Jersey is very nice, but not Newark. Hmm. Although I could name a bunch of other places. Also, the real bad parts of Washington, D.C., Philly, Chicago. I could go yeah. on. I mean, you don't want to go anywhere where it's likely that you'll be uh, mistreated. And that, by that, I mean shot in the head with a gun. Well, I mean, here's the thing. 
I want to go places that there things are going to be there that I'm going to like, or it's going to be pretty, you know, an attractive place. Right. Right. You know, and so I, or you have a reason to be there, you know, mm-hmm. I, and so I got no reason to be in these places and it ain't pretty. What about yeah. you? You know, we, if I try and answer this question seriously, like, is there a, is there a travel destination, like a famous travel destination that I have no desire to visit? And I was thinking about maybe like, I'm not too big on going to visit, say, India, like that wouldn't be number one on my list, but I wouldn't, I I definitely have like a 1% desire to visit there. I've heard that. Yeah. You know, there's not, I I don't think there's any like famous place where people say you really need to go here and visit. Oh no, I take that back. Maybe someplace like the North pole, someplace where it's really cold. I don't want to go there. You know, I will say this, and I'm going to backtrack here, Boat. Even Newark or every place is is you. A lot of places get a bad rep. All right, we live in West Virginia. All right, so we know how that goes. You can't judge a book by its cover. I've heard every every I've heard wrestlers, uh, musicians, athletes, all of them talk about how much they don't like going to India. You know, but let's I, there are I'm sure there are tons and tons of awesome places in India. Just like there are probably some really cool shops in Newark. You know, it's just a matter of, of your perception of the place and knowing where to go, right? Like, I didn't think I was going to like Houston, but once I got there, I, I got—I mean, it wasn't great, but there were parts of it that were quite nice. So, you you know. I, I think that that's that's like everywhere. You know, there's yeah. the, no matter where you go, you can always find some place that is, is halfway decent, and then you can find some place that's like, get me out of here. Correct. Um, so, we're going to move on. To our next question, our next question comes from Ricky DeRocher. He says, is there a game that you used to absolutely hate, but after trying it again, you found out you actually like it? What do you you got? Oh, boy. Most of the time when I hate a game, I don't come back around on it. There can be games that like, I play for a while and I'm like, this isn't really doing it for me. And then I put it away and then I take it back out and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I see. Like I'm in a different mental space now and it's doing it for me. But, um, you know, games that like a game like ballistics, for example, like, you know, I'm pretty confident that I, I will not be coming back to that at some point being like, boy, I really missed the hidden depth in this game. Um, you, you don't have anything that comes to mind. I do. I've got a couple. Okay. Go ahead, man. Maybe I'll think of one. Okay, right off the top of my head, Dragster comes to mind. This game, I, I remember having this as a kid and being like, what is this crap for the Atari 2600? And, like, it's a game where you have to, it doesn't make any sense to be fun. It just is. And the more you play it, the more you want to play it again. It's it's a game that I love. And another game that comes to mind is when we covered Manic Miner. Man, when we started out playing that game, I had touched base with it before, and I hated that game. It was so freaking hard. It was impossible. You had no chance. But something clicked in me as we were playing that, and it took me back to a place that I'd forgotten I'd been, and I, I got into it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's a game that I tu- I turned a corner on in a big way because I got in the right mental space to play it. You know, maybe I, I could say that about Elite Two a little bit because Elite Two was such a disaster. You remember my live stream and my first time playing Elite yeah. Two, and I just couldn't do anything, and I felt super frustrated. And then I came back to it, and it's one of my favorite Amiga games of all time. So maybe that that's probably it. Yeah. All right. Next up. Sorry. Uh, let's see. We come to Simon 
uh, Simon Rose FX. Um, where do you see the Amigos phenomenon going in, say, five years? <laughs> We're a phenomenon. <laughs> Listen, man, you always wanted to be famous. You're oh, world yeah. famous now. We're a phenomenon, Boat. Uh, I got five years. How many episodes have we done to this thing? Well, five years would still put us, you know, like five years ago, we'd already started the show. Right, no, I mean, I'm saying how many episodes have we done today? Oh, so it'd be like 500, episode 500. No, but how many have we done right now? Like 280 something. Okay, that's right. So we did 280 episodes. So you're, and you're talking, we'd be able to go up to 500 episodes. It, I, that would be astounding. <laughs> if we're still doing this on five years, I would be. Okay, you're misreading the question. Okay, please reread it. Maybe okay. I, I can get Where it. do you see the Amigos phenomenon going? Yeah. Okay, he didn't ask, do you think you're still going to be using doing the show in five years? Oh, Pretend like we're doing the show in five years and then go from there. Well, that's that. See, I didn't misread the question. I'm trying to consider what that would be like. I don't think, listen, I don't see much changing. I, I, mean, I think at this point, let me put it this way. I can only speak for myself. This is as good as I can do. <laughs> this is, I have reached, <laughs> this is the high water mark. You're seeing it right now. So if you're so if you're if you're lingering around waiting for the amigos phenomenon to even to skyrocket to prominence or even mediocrity, it ain't gonna happen from this end. Now uh, we've got we've got, I think our audio is as good as it could be. The videos coming along, I don't. And, but in terms of actually our ability to do better, like me personally, a boat's unlimited potential. This is it. I mean, I've hit the top. So more of the same, I guess, is what <laughs> for the amigos phenomenon. What do you think, boat? I totally disagree. Um, you know, ever since the beginning, I've looked at this show, this enterprise, the Amigos Enterprise LLC, is a <laughs> is is a tiered a tiered fortress of awesome. Okay? Oh yeah! Wow, you didn't and, inform me of that. <laughs> and we're scaling the tiers as we go. Okay, we're calling so the tiers every once in a while. You know, we reach a new plateau, and then we we reach a new height, and we go on and on. Uh, the big thing that I see within the next five years is us getting really into uh, doing more Amigos sponsored events in terms of things like, uh, you know, Boat Fest 2021 uh, going to see you shake your head and that hurts my heart Boat because Fest? because Boat Fest 2021 is part of my soul. What I think, you, you know what you do at Boat Fest? You bring a hobby along with you, and then about one-third of the way into the thing, you sell everything you brought, and you go get another hobby. <laughs> it's almost like a big hobby swap meet. That's what Boat Fest would be. Boat Fest 2021 held in the, uh, the, the over there by the Pizza Hut, that new hotel uh -huh. in West Virginia. That's a nice and, hotel. Yeah, it is. And it's got a bar, and it's got a conference room. And I know the bartender at that hotel, but we're in. Damn, we're in. Um, so, but I mean, obviously it's not going to be called Boat Fest. It's going to be called AmigaCon West Virginia 2021. Now, I, I um, think there's a better chance for Boat Fest. I know how and, you are. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so anyway, doing more stuff like that, developing the community aspects of the site even more, yeah. um, you know, g getting some more great authors to contribute to everything Amiga.com, um, you know, more stuff like the, the, the Patreon band, stuff like that. I love the community aspects. I feel like, you know, the gaming side of things, um, you know, we've sort of hit our stride and I feel like we're, we're able to, to put together something that's passable week after week. But like you said, I feel like I don't know where else we can take the show proper from here, you know, but I see unlimited potential for the growth of the Amigos community. 
uh, Olaf named the con right there. That's the best thing I've seen. Hurricane. That's, That's right. Outstanding. They we even, have a winner. Yeah, you know, I agree. Here, I will say one thing I can see happening because it's happening now and it's great. You brought on the Pixel Gaiden guys. You got you got Flack in here. I love expanding. I love getting coverage of different stuff like on like the network. I think that would be the way to go. And also mm-hmm. the fact that we've got people. I love. I like it when everyone contributes. I mean, we talked this a long time ago, and I was like, you know, but it'd be awesome. I like. I want something where everyone has a voice that can write and do stuff. And if you submit a video, you know, we put it up. I love that. I love that aspect of it. So when just for a good example, Duncan Styles' video this week, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, Flax videos are awesome. I love all that stuff. We've had uh, Gary Huckers put in videos at Brittle Barracuda. We've had tons of people. I just, I love that. So I would love to see that aspect. Also, some more like International Computer Club type things where you get a bunch of people together and just chat and have a good time. I love that stuff. So yeah, I can see a future in that. And it's exciting. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, once this COVID thing is over and uh, and I'm able to uh, just to travel around a little bit more, uh, I plan on doing the Amigos World Tour where I jet on over to uh, to Scandinavia, spend a couple days in Norway, a couple days in Finland, work my way down the coast to England and Ireland, and uh, and then go straight on to the continent and, and just meet up with Amigos people all through all through Europe. Uh, that is that is a real plan that I have for during the summer when I when I'm off work. So uh, look forward to that too. Okay, uh, Simon Rose uh, also says this is another question. He says most Amiga-related interest pertains mostly towards games, which even for the designers for the Amiga were only fifty percent of its purpose. I would love to see more talk about productivity software, more deep paint, more three D like Image and New Tech Lightwave, or even scientific applications. NASA famously used Amigas and uh, Amigas into the two thousands. And so he says um, he he wants to see more of that type of coverage. It's so much more interesting for him than games. Who was this boat? This was Simon Rose. Simon, uh, uh, I lo- we've actually done very little. And the problem is, let's face it, let's call a spade a spade here, but we don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, that's more of a, 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 a stuff for, that are, is covered by people that just are into the like D paint. We we did a little. We did an interview with who was it? Uh, what's the uh, gosh? Who was it that we interviewed about D paint? But way it was like the fifth or sixth or tenth episode. Yeah, it was like Paul Shaw from from Australia, I think. And but and so they knew way more about it than we did. But I mean, here's the thing, Simon. You're absolutely right. There, the Amiga does deserve to have more in-depth coverage of all of the more esoteric applications, the scientific applications and things yeah. like that. We are just not the right people to do that. Me and Aaron like to play games. Um, we, we don't, we don't really get into that other stuff. And, and if we did, if we tried, it wouldn't be any good because yeah. we wouldn't know what we were talking about. We'd be quote unquote ham and egg in it. Now we do have, we do have people that are friends of ours that are much more skilled and versed in those areas. And maybe one of these days, someone will strike up the idea for a show or a segment or something where they, where they go over that. So that might be kind of neat, a little like, you know, like an occasional show one say, uh, you know, uh, uh, what was that, 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 that Amiga thing that rendered all the stars and all the planets? I thought that was a mm-hmm. really cool, you know, I can't remember the name, but Rising Sun, something like that. Uh, uh, but if, like I said, me and Bo, we, we try to, we know... We stay in our yard. Let's just put it yeah. that way. We very yeah. rarely. And the times we leave the yard, not good. <laughs> not good. Not good. David Z asks, 
Uh, Two-part question, both focused on getting the A1000, my A1000, up to game running speed. Um, He says, the first question, do you think the standard composite video out of the A1000 is good enough, or should we endeavor to find RGB to composite solution to bring the max resolution to the 1702? Uh, David, I think if I went the RGB solution, I would go RGB to SCART. Yeah. And then start the HDMI straight out, easy. straight on till morning. Yeah, that's yeah. no problem. But your 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 A one thousand comes on, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It boots the drive. It's just yeah. That, so yeah, on. we we can yeah. get you up and running like lickety split once we get the you know that all that stuff taken care of. Yeah, and he asked, what is the bare minimum you need to use the A one thousand for your needs, um, CPU, RAM, etc. Uh, really, I think that uh, I the stock what I have like not the stock, but I you know I have the five twelve front memory upgrade and then i have the two meg sidecar expansion yeah. that's good enough for me to play anything the, disc the thing games. That, yeah, yeah the thing that's going to be hardest for me to do is actually track down ntsc games um and that that that's going to be the real hassle because it's just not an easy thing to do to find an archive of ntsc only games so uh but the hunt continues and uh like i said you know um i'm still very interested in doing some gaming on the a1000 oh yeah it'll happen plus i've got a i've got a whole bunch of peripherals for the 1000 over here too if you need anything extra so cool cool man okay simulant asks why do we need all this fancy pants tech an amstrad cpc can do everything a business needs and has thousands of games for home users do you think we should keep advancing computers or should we not all just work within the confines of what we have or had? Surely our old computers are going to waste more than they should. We got to move on, but ever forward, my friend, because that's the human condition. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We keep we keep going forward. Uh, consider that a Raspberry Pi has got hundreds of times of more power than an Amstrad or an Amiga for that matter. Uh, and, uh, and they're, you know, consider miniaturization, consider, uh, the, the, uh, uh, low, low wattage parts. I mean, there's a lot of things that make it a good idea, uh, to move on up the line. All that said, uh, there is some sort of, uh, there's a pleasure that comes from using your classic tech to do modern things. People get this pleasure getting their, uh, Amigas or their C64s online, or you know, or uh, 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 using them to do art. You know, that doesn't. The good thing about it is it doesn't have to go away because something came along that was better. All you have to do is just hold that sacred and do what you want with it, and sort of ignore everything else. Yeah, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent You've got to move forward. Technology has to move forward. Um, if it didn't, then we wouldn't have so many of the things that we love now. Um, and it also helps us fix older technology, you know, stuff like SD storage solutions for old computers literally allow us to play games that when the floppies have all rotted away, you know, yeah. we'll still be able to play these games on these machines. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, if you're doing any sort of practical business application on a computer, you have to have a certain amount of security that only comes with having the most up to date technology. But do not let go of your your old computers. Don't throw them away. Uh, they all have a home, and that home is with me. Please send them to me. Hey, nothing's more secure than an Amstrad that can't get online, both. That's Those true. things cannot be penetrated. You got to get that 80-column card. <laughs> um, Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, asks, if John was asked to design the Amiga next, what would you do to bring it to the next generation? I'll tell you what I would do, Paul. This is easy. I would make it look like an Amiga 600, the ultimate compact Amiga. 
the 500 gets a lot of love because lots of people are nostalgic for it. But if you look at it from an objective point of view, it's just irredeemably ugly. The 600 is sleek. It's compact. It's got everything that you want and nothing you don't. You build something like the C- the C64, the, the full-size C64 that, that just came out in the States, has been out for a while in Europe, with the full-size keyboard based on the A600 footprint. You put all the WHD games on there, and you go to 10. That's all you'd have to do. You wouldn't have to do anything else. You put an O2O in there, so you upgrade the PC or the CPU. You put enough RAM in there to, to make it run, you know, whatever you need, six or eight megs of RAM or whatever. And of course, you know, obviously, if, if I was going to do an Amiga next, I would do none of that. You just put some sort of a, you know, FPGA in there. You put an Unamiga inside the uh, the A600. You put Tiny Launcher on it and you market it and you sell a million copies right off the bat. Uh, some now, people would argue that the vamp, the vampire standalone is the Amiga next in some sure. ways. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think I think I can I can get on board with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, and I don't agree that the uh, Amiga 500 is irredeemably ugly. I, I think it's fine. It, but you know, the 600 has a better footprint. There's no doubt about it. It's better until you need a numpad. Then you're screwed, boats. Yeah, well, if you're using a numpad with your Amiga, you're using your Amiga wrong because that means you're not playing a game. No, you're using, um, you're doing modern stuff on it, boat. The uh, now Paul actually has a question for you. Uh, what would if you were going to make a Coco next? What would you do? That's more of a uh, L. Curtis Boyle question uh, than is for me. Listen, uh, I wouldn't make an, a, a Coco next because the Coco 3 is fine the way it is. It didn't get enough love as it was. But if I was going to make a Coco 4, I would make that 60, was it 6309 processor standard as opposed to being an upgrade. I would make that memory that we added to the Coco standard. I would make the uh, output something that you can easily rent, like a, a VGA or an HDMI or something like that on the back. Uh, that you, I would make the uh, SD card standard, you know. That's what I would do. I mean, I feel like I've got the ultimate uh, Coco 3 here, but I had to buy all the crap for it, and you had to get the switcher and stuff. If that stuff all came with it, and the memory and the up processor upgrade and stuff, you're in. You're This is all you need, brother. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I... I would you go? Would you even consider FPGA and just dumping all the original hardware? Can you repeat that? But you broke up a little bit there, sir. Would you? Would you even consider FPGA? Um. Yes. In fact, I am considering it. So, uh, to me, that's what I do. I, I wouldn't worry about processor upgrades or anything like that. I just dump all of the original hardware. And I would put uh, I'd put an FPGA in there because here's the thing. When people buy these machines off store shelves, they want something that's going to work 100 percent of the time. And you just you just sidestep all of the technical issues that you run into work with original hardware. If you go with the uh, FPGA solution. Well, I would not. I, I Sorry, I didn't care, catch all that. But no, I would not put an FPGA in my Coco next. It doesn't need one. This thing's solid as a rock. It's got off the shelf parts. The parts are replaceable. Good to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see here. We're going to move on down to Lord Soup. Lord Soup says, if the 3DO had been competitively cheaper from launch, do you think it would have been a more viable console? No. Not because, uh, let's face facts, it was aimed at the American market. They didn't have EA on board. Uh, that Through all that crap with Trip Hawkins, all that crap that went down. Uh, and 
it was too expensive. Uh, they, they had an interesting licensing agreement. It didn't work. It was interesting. Don't get me wrong. And I like the 3DO to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, they didn't have the business acumen to, to make it work. That The, uh, the licensing was no-go, The and also you lost one of your biggest uh, software producers, and they were and by the time it came down to where it was affordable, it had been passed by. So I don't I don't see any solution uh, to a to an angle to make the 3DO a profitable or successful machine. But yeah, and you you know so much more about that whole scene than I do. So I see to your knowledge there. I will say the M2, which was the successor to the uh, 3DO, again this thing was much ballyhooed boat. Uh, all the magazines covered it. it was supposed to be a big deal, but at the end of the day, it never got released. Uh, if that had been all that in a bag of chips, and they could have tried to get in, in there and compete against uh, the likes of PlayStation, I mean, there's always a chance. But again, you're talking about a crowded marketplace. And if the 3DO tanked, they brought the M2 out, and people are like, hey, look, that's the guys who just tanked the 3DO. I still don't think it would have made a difference. Mm. Chris Folds asks, I still cry when I watch E.T., What's your favorite tearjerker film? <laughs> you know, I saw E.T. in the theater with my mom. I think that's mm-hmm. the only movie just the two of us ever saw. And we both cried. When that it was- is. It's a sad <laughs> film. I've never watched it again. I watched yeah. it one time. Um, that one all that is, but that one gets you. Um, mm. Something always makes you cry. What do you think? But you got one that comes to mind? I was going to say E.T. You know, yeah, when he almost is- dies. It's uh, uh, that still that still gets me. Um, I think Edward Scissorhands is a sad film. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's sort of the, one of those classic bittersweet movies. Um, yeah. What What about you? What do you got? Um, I mean, I'm, shit, I'll, this I mean, this is a patterned answer, but I mean, man, I'll, I get I get broke up when I watch Schindler's List. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's a whole different kind of sad. Well, I'm just saying it's that, yeah. Oh, sure. That, yeah. The absolutely. Stuff that I know actually happened. And right. You, and you're looking at, at rep, or you know, another one was like a, a a movie like Saving Private Ryan. It's it's just I, it's so sad. Those movies like that just they uh, they hit me hard because the they're real, you know, and it makes mm-hmm. it it makes it much worse than a fictional tearjerker to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. That's why I don't watch many of the real ones because it's, it's no, too much for me. No. I can't yeah. I don't it. need that. No. Yeah. Um. Uh, Chris also asks. We are all playing on computers and consoles that are 20 to 30 years old. Do you think you'll still be playing the same machines in another 20 to 30 years? Or will your definition of retro evolve? I will. I I play, I have, my retro definition has evolved already. You know, because Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of the stuff that I don't even, I've got systems here I don't consider that retro, to be honest with you. But Mm -hmm. when you're as old as me, like for me, like retro is like the, the 2600 or the, or the Spectrum or the, or the Coco stuff from like, I mean, there's a cutoff and it's like the eighties, like anything after that, I don't really consider it to be that old, despite the fact it's 30, you know, years old or whatever. So I guess I'll just keep up and moving up the list. But it's like pretty much when it comes to like disc based systems, that's sort of where my definition runs at. It's like, eh, you know, CD based stuff. You're getting into a whole different world there because I existed in a world for a long time that didn't have CD media and it was much different. Yeah. Yeah. I it's funny. There was a shift that happened at some point where the PlayStation 2 became a retro system for me. And uh, now when I think about playing, but 
now when I think I still think that there's a hard line though between the PS2 and for me the, it's it's going to be hard for me to imagine a day where the Xbox is considered a retro system because it just seems like it's still new. I guess it's because maybe the Xbox name is still, you know, such a big force, although I guess the PlayStation name is too. Yeah. I can't explain it. Nobody can explain any of this yeah, stuff. It's it all is, about feeling. It's an arbitrary mystery line that only you know. And it also fluctuates with me. I never considered PS2 retro because I've got one set right in front of me here with a hard drive. It's got USB ports on it. Mm-hmm, I mean, it's not that we're true. still using. Yeah. It's hard for me to consider that retro. You know, but I mean, like, is I even like the N64, the Nintendo and the Genesis? I'm like, you know, eh. I mean, to me, they don't seem that old because I remember when they were out, you know, now stuff mm-hmm. like the Master System and back to me. Yes, that's all retro, you know, and, but after that, it's a little fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, now if you were going over to Chris Fold's house for dinner. Yeah. Would you prefer the Spotted Dick or the Knickerbocker Glory? Spotted Dick is a bird, I believe, isn't it? Is I think a- Spotted Dick is a sort of sausage. Uh huh. Okay, and I don't. I, do, I, I don't know what Knickerbocker Glory is. I would go with the uh, Spotted Dick boat. That's what I'd go with. Well, just to be contrarian, I'll go with the Knickerbocker Glory. Uh, that one's got a better <laughs> name. Yeah. Uh, Paul, aka Hermsky, writes: What are your views on the increasing shift from hard copies to digital downloads? It's funny. If you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I would have been I would have shook my fist at the screen and been like, I'll never download digitally. But I also pirated things like they were going out of style 10 years ago because I was too cheap to buy anything. Something funny happened on the way to the to the to the bulk disc purchase. And what happened was they made buying first run games dirt cheap and convenient. Right. right. And so, you know. Like, for example, I've been playing this game called Crosscut now for about a month. It's this car, futuristic car battling game, right? It's a totally free game. It's one of those deals where you pay to win, you know, that shtick. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if they've given me, and I complain about it, but at the end of the day, they've given me this game this for free for months and months, a fun game. You go on Steam, they have these sales. It's like buy, you get like 50 games for a penny. You know, it's like the old uh, record club. Uh, and so I've got loads and loads of games on my docket here that I never even get to play, but I got them because they're so cheap, you know. And, uh, and so what they did was they what was the number one complaint? I can't afford these games. They're 50 or 60 bucks. Well, will you pay a dollar? Will you pay 50 cents? Will you pay a penny? Will you pay ten dollars? Will you pay 20 bucks for first run title? Yes. All those. Yes. With the understanding that you are paying for uh, the right to play the game and not necessarily own the game, which that took me a long time to get across, to get in my head on Steam, to get it, because it's hard when you've always had the games. On the flip side, when you're a pirate guy, you really didn't own that many original games anyway. So if you're paying practically nothing for games that you don't have to pirate them and you get to legally play them, it's an easy jump. So I look at it that way, but what about you? Yeah, it's 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 the Netflix model. Yeah. Where Netflix was like, "Hey, we're going to make this so cheap and we're going to give you so much content that you can't not get it. It's just too good of a deal." Yeah. yeah. And um and that's the way I feel about all these modern games, you know. I buy uh I I don't buy that many games, but I probably buy three or four new games a year. And um and they're always like 20 bucks. And it's yeah. like, I know that I'm getting, because here's the thing. 
I don't care about the future of these games. Like these are not games that my mythical children are going to cherish, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show them the ways through these games. Those are other games. Those are like my, my Nintendo games, my Atari games and things like that. These are games that I just want to play because they're part of some sort of a new movement or I hear people talking about them. I want to try them out. And, um, and so owning them digitally, number one, you know, you, you know, that you've bought it quote unquote new. So the developer of the game is getting compensated, which is more and more important to me than ever before. Number two, you get it on steam and whatever device that you have, whatever computer you have, you install steam and you've got that game right there with your backed up save. That's huge. Okay. And number three, if anything's wrong with the game, then they will patch whatever is going on and they will fix it. And I'm, you know, with hard copies of games, they do that too, but there's, you've got to download patches and things like that. And um, with a digitally, you know, with the game that you buy on steam, you know, it updates in the background basically. So there's lots of people out there that don't like the idea of not owning their games. It's the same thing. There's lots of people that only buy Blu-rays, you know, I'm somebody that recognizes that, you know, everything is ephemeral. You know, every yeah. everything's passing away and um, I'm going to enjoy the entertainment that's provided to me. And if it's not there tomorrow, then I'll look at something else. This is something if you listen to the uh, and you should listen to the guys who are at Pixelgate and they're both big time boxed game collectors. They go for these uh, 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 these the, the, the mini releases we've talked about. In fact, on your show with Neil, you guys covered what a couple weeks ago, the uh, Turrican's the box set, you know, right. they love that stuff, right? Lit cheap, limited run games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we all, let's face this, we all have to come to the startling conclusion that we're not buying any games anymore. You're getting something that has a couple pieces of code that says, go download this. So even if you're getting the, now some people just want the box on their shelf. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's because they yeah, collect that's fine. boxes. That's mm-hmm. cool. Whatever toots your horn, man. Uh, but well, something else we've got to also, and this is, at this point, it's irrelevant, but we are mortgaging our future for our, for cheap games today because if Steam ever goes away, if they change their policies, blah, 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 and it, all this could happen. It probably will at some point. Uh, we're not going to be playing these games uh, like we are playing Amiga games now uh, exactly the same way. Now, there may be a gimmick. So there's always some kind of gimmick to play these games somewhere down the line. But it could not happen. I mean, and I look at City of Heroes as a prime example. Now, there was a gimmick, but it didn't kick in for six or seven or ten years later. You know, I mean, games can go away. Yeah. Uh, but- oh, yeah. And, 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 and like I said, you just have to be able to come to terms with that fact. And and yeah. for me personally, that's easy for me to do. The good thing is it makes your retro games all that more precious because yes. those aren't going anywhere. You always have them. Right, right. Um, Simulant asks, what is Amy hybrid? <laughs> it's the it's the ability. It's Stephen Jones new thingy that lets you lets uh, Amiga OS and Linux sort of live in a co-existing crossover world. And you could do Linuxy stuff with your Amiga front uh, uh, OS on a Raspberry Pi and vice versa. I think that's pretty much what it is, Boat. Okay. Yeah. You you know more than me. Well, eh. Bundy asks, I can already see a shift from real sports to esports. What are your thoughts on this? Well, real let me tell you something. They just opened West Virginia back up to play real sports. <laughs> and ain't nobody here playing no esports. I can tell you that right now. There's no one gathering at these uh, in the middle of a pandemic 
and a horde of other goofs to watch live to watch esports. So it ain't here yet. It may be. I know overseas, especially. But you were over in uh, South Korea. So I mean, I know it's huge over there. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there, there's here. two cable channels. There's probably more. But when I moved there in 2007, there were two cable channels that did nothing but broadcast live StarCraft games. Yeah, yeah. I, I, StarCraft is huge over there. Right? It's a national obsession. I, I know e games have come. They have come a long way. I look at e-games a lot like I look at soccer in America, right? Like, it's been pitched for decades, and something's happening where it's slowly creeping in, man. And I think esports are going to be sort of like that. I mean, because they're, you get on YouTube and watch them, so it's kind of fun to see the competitions, but there's no one watching that stuff on TV or anything, very few. Yeah, I, I would say at least in America, uh, traditional meat space sports are still much, much more popular than their e variety. Uh, Lobsterminator asks, should architecture, literature, and music be brought back to the Olympic Games? <laughs> I don't think the Olympic Games should be brought back to the Olympic Games. That's, I don't <laughs> think it's not a good time. I see why Japan, Japan canceled these things. Uh, architecture, literature, yeah, yeah sure. Listen, uh, uh, we've talked this before, but when it comes to scholarships to colleges, you know, uh, uh, you got your sports scholarships, you got your, uh, grade scholarships. Uh, uh, and I'll look at that in sports as well. No one's paying top dollar to see the two philosophers go at it in the arena, but it would be cool if they did, you know, that'd be kind of neat. I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with any of that stuff. Uh, I don't know how you would make that work, but maybe they should just be kind of well, uh, sewn into the fabric of the games. You know, you have, you get the top talent from all over the world to, to, to show their wares on TV and that make that sort of part of the games. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, you, you know, there are so many obje- or subjectively scored events in the, in the Olympics, you yeah. know, anything like, you know, gymnastics or anything like that, where you're giving a score, there's nothing that says that you can't make, you know, anything you want into an Olympic event. And if they're trying to make it more cultural, Sure. Give it a shot. I'm willing to for them. The Olympics is a perfect training ground or it's a a fertile ground for experimentation. So I'm all about cycling different things in just to see if anything works. I I suggest gong score, gong show scoring. Get three judges (laughs) of their wacky ones and a big gong. I love that show. That'd be great. Mitsuyama asks, is there a chocolate bar, sweet, or confectionery item that you used to enjoy but is no longer available that you would like to see make a comeback? Uh-huh. We've covered that. Something. I'm trying to think. I, um, that's something I can't get anymore. You want to cover that one? Can you, what, you got anything on that? You know, I wouldn't mind cracking open a Crystal Pepsi again just to see how it, how it tastes. Didn't um, they re-release those a couple years ago? To if, they did, I, reviews? if they did, I missed it. I missed it. Yeah. Um, but um, other than that, I mean, we in America, they, we we love our chocolates and our sweets so much that nothing really ever goes away. It lingers. I would say Surge. Remember Surge? Okay. Sur- oh, yeah. I was a big Surge guy. Yeah. I, I would like to see that come back. I think Surge already did come back, though. It was not back great and gone, reviews. but it was gone again. Much like yeah. what your much like your thing. They, they might have. They, I think they I think they effed with the formula. Is what happened. Yeah, you don't, you don't and, ever yeah. do that. It has to have that yeah. weird green look, like Andy. Oh yeah. yeah, I used to chug that all the time when I watched Nitro every Thursday night or Thunder every Thursday night. It was great. We used to get together, get some Davaroni's pizza, and just you know, twenty four pack of Surge. That's the way you do it. 
All right. Um, Bundy asks, what's the best video game adaptation of a movie in your opinion? You have one in your head. The Adams Family. I mean, it combines everything that's great about that movie into the video game. You have this huge mansion to explore and it's creepy and there's like horror elements, but it's also sort of like, um, you know, clever and a a little bit cute. Um, And uh, and it follows the movie, you know, the the, the loosely follows the plot of the movie. Um, And, you know, the Adams Family film. The uh, had a great original score by Mark Shaman, and the Adams Family game has a great original soundtrack. So even I though I love the Adams Family film, what I mean, I don't think the game has anything to do with the film. It has everything. It follows the plot of the movie. I don't remember a plot. I don't remember a part in the movie where Gomez is going through an animated kitchen or all this other crazy stuff that he does. That stuff wasn't in the film. None of that stuff. Well, yeah, was. but but the the overarching like plot where you're trying there's the evil judge and you're trying to rescue Morticia and all that stuff. You know, I'm gonna it go. Makes- with, I'm I'm gonna go with the Vector Graphic Star Wars because that made you feel like you were Luke, and that's that was a, good, a big deal a good when choice. it came out. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, HSI asks with the spectrum next being very fairly successful, both by actually delivering on its goals and also being somewhat of a fantasy continuation of the spectrum computer. What, if any computer do you think deserves a similar treatment and what features do you think would be cool to have on it in the same spirit of what the next did for the specy? It's an interesting question. Um, I can think of a couple that I, and these are going to sound stupid. These are going to sound like stupid answers. Okay. I wouldn't mind seeing a, a next generation C64. The C64 has got a lot. Oh, let's face facts. The Amiga is not the next C64. It was a whole different, <clears throat> it's a whole different computer line. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the C64 has lots of room for improvement with its IO and stuff. I think you could do something very interesting with a next generation C64. So I will say that I would, as a runner up uh, to that, I, just cause I, I'll, just cause I think it's a cool system. It'd be neat to see what would come, they would come up with, with an Atari 8 bit next generation. Cause again, I don't consider the ST the next linear CC, uh, the next Atari 8 bit. They're really not that similar in any way. Are they? Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Uh, the, the next is really the prime, example of what you should a computer you should make a next version of because the games look so iconic because of the way the sprites are drawn and because of the color palette that you could easily see how you could develop like more advanced games within staying in that framework versus all of the other systems out there i mean they all kind of have that same look i think that the coco is probably the next in line in terms of having a specific look again because of its limited palette but i don't know how you would develop sort of next gen coco games without just yeah. making you know sort of coco 3 games i like the coco so. i don't want to i don't think it needs if anything you could just integrate it like i said earlier yeah right right um pixels of dawn asks what's your ideal food and snack menu uh i like barbecue chips um i like real like buttery popcorn when i i don't have it that often i like it um I like uh, jelly beans 
uh, which is not a good snack food, but I like those. Uh, snack. We both like little Debbies. Mm-hmm. I like those. All the stuff that's not good for you, I'll eat it. Yeah, there's pre- most most snack food I will not say no to. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big chips guy though. I've just never been a big chips guy. I yeah. I like popcorn. Um, I've never been like a, a big plain chocolate guy either. Like I've never been a guy that's bought a Hershey bar and ate the Hershey bar. Yeah. I like, um, like peanut butter in there and nuts yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me some Reese cups. Yeah. Give me some popcorn. I'm right there with you with the popcorn yeah. and give me some sort of like, you know what I like is some pigs in a blanket. Oh yeah. Those are good eating. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Simulant asks, uh, WASD or QAOP space? Uh, WASD. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Unless you grew up playing QAOP space, uh, yeah. that that is not natural. That is yeah, not a dessert. Okay. Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, asks, how do your partners feel about your gaming and retro hobbies? Don't. Well, I don't have one, but I don't care. <laughs> my wife, um, is she as long as I can find my gaming activities and my gaming collection to the basement, she's cool with it. It's it, it sure beats me going out to the casino or doing a lot of other things. So she's all right with it. Chris Folds asks, hoverboards, flying cars, or transport tubes like in Futurama, what do you think someone should hurry up and make? Flying car. I'm going to go with the transport tube. I like the way you shoot through it like at the bank. Yeah, I feel like you could get murdered a million times. Yeah, I mean. that's that that would also probably happen. Yeah. Simulant asks, everybody, including myself, uses the phrase back in the day heavily in the retro community. Aaron, for our last question of the evening, what does this phrase mean to you? And do you like everyone else saying it in reference to everything past tense? I do. I've unfortunately I've gotten into the point where I do say it a lot back in the day. I usually it's say funny. back in the Dizzy. Yeah, yeah. Um what does it mean to me? It, it mean, just means a long time ago or back when I was younger. Um, it, 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 do, it is beat. It's a beat to death phrase in the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I'm not a person that likes to beat something to death. I like to be original in everything I say. Yes. So I have endeavored yes. to not say uh, back in the day, but occasionally I get in a wacky mood and I just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm working I, on it. I, yeah. I, I, I for me, back in the day means any time when I was happy, which was basically every time before 2020. So, um, and so I'll say back in the day, pretty much whenever I please. So I'm still happy, Bo. You got you got to live in the world you got. You're right. You're right. You're right. So we thank all of the fine folks at Discord for all your wonderful questions. Remember, if you're thank a member you. of our Discord community, you can leave us a question in the Ask the Amigos uh, uh, channel in our Discord server, and we will get to it in November. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Adios. Adios. And our stream died a long time ago. I mean, it was just oh, yeah. dead, dead it's for been, years. Yeah, you've been yeah. you've been dying to death for about 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So the, I the hope you have better luck be okay, tonight. Though. At least we got that going for us. Right. Oh, yeah. I need to stop the Zencaster.